CLS is the weighing machine was created to help you, the financial advisor or investor, reach your long-term financial goals. Each episode, your hosts, Rusty Vanneman and I, Robin Murray, cut through the market clamor to find the time-tested principles that help investors succeed. CLS is the weighing machine is inspired by two ideas. The first is the classic investing truism attributed to Benjamin Graham, that the stock market is a voting machine in the short run and a weighing machine in the long run. In other words, Emotion drives short-term market movement, but fundamentals and valuations drive returns over time. The second idea is CLS's investment methodology of risk budgeting. Represented by the scales, risk budgeting measures and manages risk to suit the needs of each investor. Welcome to CLS's The Weighing Machine. We hope you enjoy it. And as always, please let us know what you think. Welcome to a special edition of the CLS Weighing Machine. And with me today is Executive Vice President of Sales at CLS Investments, Bruce Bischoff. Welcome, Bruce. Thanks, Rusty. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. You know, Dad, I know you've been a big listener of the Weighing Machine so far, so I'm glad to get you on here. We're going to have you on in the future as well. But what we're doing here today is we're setting up a special two-part series kind of talking to all of the wholesalers at CLS, what their philosophy is, how they do business, how they get better. And I think the interviews are fascinating. I might be biased, and I bet you're biased too. But, uh, but I'm pretty excited. And so we're basically going to get it started with this podcast today. So I, I got questions for you first. Great. And so first, in your own opinion, what makes a good wholesaler a good salesperson? I think that's a very difficult question because I think salespeople have to be very well-rounded just because they have to interact with a lot of different people that do a lot of different things. And so you can't just be one way. Um, But originally when I look at salespeople, I think that first and foremost, they have to be very competitive. Um, They have to be hungry um, because they're out there on an island on on their own. They're not at the home office um, interacting with the same type of people all the time. They're out on their own island. And so they've got to be, you know, the self-starters. They've got to be the ones that are getting up early in the morning, um, not at the same time every morning. Some mornings it could be at 4 in the morning to get someplace. Some mornings it could be at 10 in the morning, depending on what's on the schedule for the day. But the other thing they've got to do is they've really got to be a chameleon um, because they are interacting with a lot of different people. You know, they're... um, some of the people are going to be very analytical. Um, some of the people are going to be, you know, the driver, pound your fist type personality, and some are very amiable. And so a good salesman has to be able to quickly understand who he's talking to and what type yeah. of people they are, and then um, be able to speak to that person in the way they want to be spoken to. Yeah. And so I think that's very important. And then lastly, um, you know, at CLS, we're very, very consultative. And we try to find ways that we can help the advisor um, with either problems they're having or uh, solutions to uh, things they need. And so in order to do that, you really have to be good at asking questions at the beginning um, and not be about you, but be about the advisor and be about their business and find out you know, where those needs are and, and, and be able to find, find those needs through asking questions. And so yeah. I really feel like 
you know, a good salesperson in this industry uh, has to be able to do those things. Yeah. So, you know, one thing about your track record here at CLS is that you and your team have just been smashing all the sales records for CLS history, which has been great. But before you came here, you were also successful in another industry. And in your experience, in your opinion, does, is a salesperson in, in, in the investment industry different than other industries? Or do you think this kind of the same skill set applies? Well, I think sales is sales no matter where you're at. Yeah. Um, you do it differently in different industries. You know, I, as um, you mentioned, I came from a different industry. I came out of the, the um, pharmaceutical medical sales background, um, sales and sales management. And even, even between pharmaceutical and medical sales, you're dealing with different people in, in different ways. But at the, bo- at the end of the, the basic skills in selling is the same, I believe. Yeah. But how you do it is a little bit different. Um, in the pharmaceutical sales, um, you have shorter, much more concise sales calls. And it's more repeating messages and trying to get that message through to, through to physicians and that type of thing. Where this, you, when the financial industry, you've got much longer sales calls yeah. um, and you're spending a lot more time and more consultative um, and more getting feedback and working long term with, with those advisors. So. Yeah. All right, so since you've been a, a manager of, of sales talent for so long, ideally, what are sort of the key criteria when you're looking to hire somebody? And, and what were some of the, and on the flip side of that coin, what were some of the things that made you fire somebody? Well, I think the first thing when you're hiring people is you want to look for um, uncoachable characteristics. There's things that people have that are innate within them that you can't instill within somebody. And so, like I said earlier, the competitiveness, um, people that have grit, people that are hungry, um, people that want to win. Um, And and then on the flip side of that, they also have to be a team player because some of the best teams I've been on or best teams that I've managed, they've had that competitive spirit, but they've also wanted the team to win as well. And so they've been willing to share things with their teammates that are also kind of they're in competition against in in sales um, because they want everybody to win and then i think um one of the last things is um very coachable um you know in my interview process you can ask questions and get kind of small answers um but to really find out if they're the real deal you've got to ask about past experiences and they've got to give really good detail on past experiences. Otherwise, they really might not have an experience in what they're talking about. And so um, I think through asking you know, detailed questions, you find those people that are competitive or have had, had experiences in the things you're looking for. Yeah. So. Cool. Um, oh, you asked, yeah, you asked I about, say, I was about say, No, I was going to say, were firing. you trying to avoid that? No, you know, no, that was no. the fun part. No, you know, um, <laughs> I think anyone that's been out in the in – the, in the, Salesforce or been in, in the employment world um, has either been laid off or fired or something, and and, and I never, I never take that lightly because um, I know how it affects people, I know how it affects families and that type of thing. But um, I think one of the things that um, make me make it easier to fire somebody or let somebody go is um, kind of the opposite of what I look for to hire somebody is if they're uncoachable. If you give them um, 
coaching when you're out working with them or you see something that needs to be changed or redirected and, and they don't change. Um, you know, we look at a lot of different metrics and over time, if they're not meeting those metrics or they're not willing to, w- willing to work to, um, to improve those metrics, um, of course, dishonesty and integrity is big. Um, yeah. If if they're not if they're not that, and then lastly, um, if they don't get it done year over year, um, if they're not successful, um, a lot of times you're you know when you fire somebody that's not working out, you're actually doing them a favor because you're helping them find uh, something that's going to be more up their alley. That so. makes a lot of sense. Hey, so uh, I just have a couple more questions before we start hearing the interviews themselves, but. Um, you know, again, I, I am going to have you back for a regular weighing machine so we can really dive into your own background. But just just real quickly, in terms of um, what made you a successful sales manager in terms of your background and influence, is there anything that really stood out? You know, I think it really comes down to a lot of the stuff that I've implemented at CLS I didn't create. Yeah. It, they, they weren't uniquely mine. And I think that... Um, you know, your first job out of college, your first professional job really has a lot of influence on you. And some of your first managers, um, whether it be good or bad managers, really have a lot of influence on you. And and my first um, job out of uh, college was um, Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, yeah. um, a big organization, a big selling machine, a big marketing machine. Um, they spent a lot of money on figuring out ways to do things. And so I learned a lot from them. And I learned a lot from my managers. And, you know, a couple of things that um, my values here at CLS and a lot of everything that I do within the sales organization comes down to four things. And a lot of those things I learned um, under in my first jobs out of college. And those four things are holding people accountable, yeah. working hard, having fun, and then only rewarding your top people. And so if you look at a lot of the things that I do here at CLS, whether it be my sales reports, whether it be my recognition, um, whether it be the meetings I have, um, they fall into those categories. They fall into holding people accountable. They fall into working hard. They fall into rewarding and focusing my best people. They fall into having fun. And you put those things together, and I think you really get a good sales organization. Um, And um, the people that – that do well and are your best people thrive in that environment. And so that's the way I've built it. And and like I said, a lot of the stuff I didn't invent, and it wasn't my idea, but it's from really good past managers or managers that uh, I didn't like the way they did things so well. So I don't implement that in, in the things that I've done. So. Man, that's good stuff. I'm already thinking I need to print out the transcript to this interview and read that myself. <laughs> the only thing about your list is, you know, you, on my list, I love to have a list of three or five things. Yeah. And I never like list of four. It's just, it's just a quirk <laughs> that I have. Hey, I'll, so- I'll look for another thing, but <laughs> I'm definitely not going to cut out the fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you can't drop that one. Um, okay, before we hear all the wholesalers say this, I want to hear in your own words. In, in your own words, what do you think makes CLS unique? You know, I think that uh, two things, and I know you, you don't like even numbers, but um, <laughs> two things that I really like is um, generally we, we really try and do what we say we're going to do. Yeah. We really we really focus, and I know that's one thing that the PM team focuses on as well. You know, we're going we're gonna to keep 
the client's risk at where we say we're going to do, and we're going to be active in some of those things. Right. And so we really do our best um, to try and do and say what we're going to do. And, you know, um, the flip side of that is we are not perfect. But um, if you look at the executive team and you look at the managers here at CLS, we're always trying to improve. We mm-hmm. will make mistakes, but we're always trying to improve. We're always trying to make better. I look at five or six years ago when I came on board and and everything that we've implemented and the, the places where we've gotten better and stronger, um, we're not complacent of where we're at. We're not happy where we're at. We're not... We're always trying to make things better for our advisors, better for our employees. And so I think that's important is that uh, we understand that we're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. But we learn, we're, We always try to learn from those mistakes, and we always try to improve what we do for our employees and for our advisors and for our clients. Dang, that's well so. said. That's why, that's why you're in sales. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you. Hey, okay, so lastly, having heard these interviews – coming up. And again, I think they're great. But what were some of your key takeaways from the interviews from the following interviews? You know, um, to me, I think that I'm really happy with my sales team. Mm -hmm. Everybody on on there is different in certain ways. Mm -hmm. And they do things differently. We've got analyticals. We've got the senior statesmen. We've got, um, you know, just a, a really different bunch of people that get along well together. And um, that's, that's what I really like about it is, is they're unique. And, um, you know, when I was in college, I was working construction and uh, someone came to me and said, we're starting this new sales team at this, uh, this phone sales team at this exercise company. Do you want to come and join? I said, I don't know if I can sell. I, I don't know anything about sales. Mm-hmm. And so I joined this team and, and over the, while I was in college, me and my friend that started this team, um, we uh, ended up managing the team. And I had two guys that constantly were the top salespeople. And one was this kind of chest pounder, very vocal. You knew where he was in the room, and he was selling. And then there's this other guy I called the church mouse. He sat back in the corner, and you never heard from him. But week after week, those two were the, my top salespeople. Yeah. And so... Um, I like the diversity of my sales team, and I, you know, I get that from the interviews. Yeah. And I like that um, they're different. Um, you know, sometimes the hardest part about being a manager is you want your salespeople to do things the way you used to do them. But from that experience, even in college in sales, I realized that you know, there's lots of roads to the top of Mount Fuji, and yeah. and people take different roads, and people do things a different way, a different way. And you gotta, as long as they're successful, you gotta embrace the way they do it because that meets their personality, and you just gotta let them do it. And I think, I think just the uniqueness and the, the diversity of personalities within the sales team, I, I enjoy. Yeah. So. Well, well said again. So I guess <clears throat> let's hear the interviews and put that. Let's let's check that out and see if that's the case. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks Rusty, for having me on. Sherry Rash, welcome to the CLS Weighing Machine. Thanks for having me. All right, I have a whole bunch of fun questions for you today. Can't wait. All right, great. So first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, both personally and professionally. I am married to my husband, Joe. Yeah. We've been married for seven years now. Yeah. I have a six-year-old daughter named Olivia and a three-year-old, almost four-year-old daughter named Lola. Uh, she is very proud to say that she shares a birthday with Jimmy Buffett and Jesus. She can say that? That's yes. awesome. Yes. All right. She's a Christmas baby. Nice. That's yes. so cool. So where are you from? 
I grew up in a town called Acco, New Jersey, yeah. um, a suburb of Philadelphia. And I currently live in Bel Air, Maryland with my family. I moved from New Jersey to Maryland for my position with CLS. Yeah. And how did you get in the industry? I got in the industry really the first day out of college. Throughout college, I interned with uh, Lincoln Financial. Yeah. I originally went to school to be a journalist and then went into finance and decided I wanted to be an advisor. And I was doing that for a little bit after school. And maybe December of the year, I graduated. It wasn't going too well. It turns out people have a hard time giving their money to a 22-year-old fresh out of college. Yeah. So my mom made me go to a career fair. And I didn't want to because I wanted to be an advisor. But there I met, um, who then became my former manager at Prudential Annuities. He was the internal sales desk manager. And interviewed with him and I ended up there. So really I have to thank my mother because she got me into wholesaling by forcing me to go to a career fair. That's great. But I always knew I wanted to be in financial services. I did not know that about the journalism. Yes. So you could prove some of my stuff sometimes. You could copy edit it, right? A little maybe bit. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe well, What not. did you like, nonfiction, fiction? What did you, what did you write? I guess it would be nonfiction, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually wanted to be an anchor Oh, and wow, so yeah. that's what I wanted to do originally and was writing articles and I enjoyed that. But it kind of felt like I had homework every day. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't want to feel like I had homework every day wow. for the rest of my life. So so now how many years have you been at CLS? It'll be four years in February. Four years, yeah. And uh, just, you know, what, what is the territory that you cover? I cover Maryland, Delaware, Virginia, North Carolina, West Virginia, and Ohio. That's a lot of ground. So, okay, now we'll get to some of the more philosophical questions. Okay. So what do you think makes a great wholesaler? One, the uh, enjoying traveling. Yeah. You have to like to travel yeah. and be okay with it and be comfortable with waking up in a different city every day. I enjoy that. I love it. I, that's what fulfills me. Um, being able to talk to and work with so many different people with many different backgrounds and beliefs yeah. and um, finding what resonates with them and ways that the two of you or many more can work together yeah. and find synergies. You have been killing it the last two years, so I guess Thank you kind of hit on some of the, the reasons why you've been killing it. Yeah. How do you, what do you do to get better at what you do? I always have a sales book in my briefcase, in my suitcase. So I'm always reading a sales book. It doesn't even, even have to be financial services related. I believe that you can learn um, different techniques from any different industry when it comes to sales. Yeah. I read um, wholesaler blogs a lot too, if I just need a quick idea. Yeah. And so I'm constantly trying to get new ideas. I'm talking to my peers and seeing what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, cool. Any particular recommendations? on any of those, the blogs or anything? There's a blog called Wholesaler Masterminds, and it's a gentleman that was a wholesaler um, in the financial services industry, and yeah. he just gives really good, quick ideas. That's a cool tip. Okay, so what do you think makes a great investment firm? A great investment firm needs to, one, understand their, their advisors, understand yeah. their clients, what advisors need, how to partner with them, how to make their lives easier. And I think when an investment firm identifies that, not only with the products they provide, but the services they provide and offer, that's what makes an investment firm stand out. 
Yeah, cool. All right, uh, CLS Investments. So at CLS Investments, our methodology, our philosophy is risk budgeting. In your own words, what do you think makes it so special? It makes it special because it's a simple concept, but not many people do it. Yeah. A lot of managers or advisors may think that they're managing to risk, but not necessarily. Risk is so much more than a stock to bond ratio. And we take managing risk very seriously, and I we take it a step further. That's what makes it special is that it sounds like a very simple concept, but it's not once you get into the details of it. Right, right. All right, so you talk to a lot of financial advisors each and every day. What are the qualities or attributes of the advisors you think that are doing a really good job at what they do? They just care about their clients. They stay up late at night. They stay awake thinking about their clients' needs, issues their clients may be having. That the best advisors I have, they say those things. Yeah. What's on what's the top of their mind right now? What are their big issues or concerns? The biggest issue they have right now are regulatory issues. Oh yeah. So um, regulations that may change the industry and it's problematic or it's concerning for them because they have no control over it and it could change their business quite drastically and they don't know when it's going to happen or what it's going to look like but issues like regulatory issues that are out of completely out of their control they have no control over are what's concerning to advisors yeah yeah okay let's take it down to investors what do you think is the one thing that most investors need the most help with I think most investors need to understand their appetite for risk, understanding what a good portfolio for them looks like, because everyone's good portfolio is going to look differently. Mm -hmm. And I think they also need their advisor to be a financial therapist for them. Oh, yeah, exactly. All right. So let's say I'm a new person. I'm, I'm like considering entering the financial industry. So would you recommend that? And if so, I mean, any words of wisdom for somebody entering the financial industry at this point? I'd absolutely recommend it. It's very fulfilling. It's an awesome industry to be in. And the word of wisdom is you will be a financial therapist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, (laughs) I like it. All right, so bring it back to you a little bit. What are the accomplishments you're most proud of, both personally and professionally? Are there some things that really stand out in your mind? What I'm most proud of actually is both personal and professional is that I'm still here and I'm still doing this. Yeah, It's not common, one, to be a woman um, in this industry and to be a female wholesaler is even less common. And the fact that I'm doing it with obviously the help and support of my husband and family, but the fact that I'm still doing it with such young children, I think is, I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. You know what? I lied. I'm going to ask you one more question. And I was thinking about this earlier. You just touched upon it. I don't know why I didn't think about it. So there are so many studies that show that in general, making a generalization here, that women are better investment counselors and they're better investment advisors and they're better investment managers. So why aren't there more women in the investment management industry? What's it going to take to change that in your words? I know. You had no that's idea I was going to ask you this you question. Just, I that's know. A hard, there's so many different things I could think of right now. I, I do think it's intimidating. I think it's intimidating to walk into a room of men in dark suits and being the only woman. I do think it takes a special personality for that. 
But I do agree that the female financial advisors I have are I work with are phenomenal. And right. I think it's because they tap into the client's emotions when it comes to their money. And um, that that is a differentiator. Yeah. And maybe clients put their guards down a little bit more with women or um, and the female clients, the the wives, right. may gravitate more to the female advisor. And they manage more of the money. And too. they manage more of the exactly. money, and they're they're the decision makers, generally speaking. I mean, if you think about it, investment advice, even investment management, in so many ways, it's really about the the personal side of things, and it's about relationships and conversations, mm-hmm. and it's really not about numbers as no. much as people think it is. Great. All right. So, outside of work and family, what do you do for fun? What's fun? I don't know. There you go. Because you're working in family all the time. Working family. Yes. Do you sleep? A little. A few hours. A few hours. That is fun for me. I do like a good nap. Yeah. Uh, I like to decorate. I like entertaining, having parties. Yeah. That's really fun for me. Yeah. Mark Salkup, welcome to the CLS Weighing Machine. Ah, thank you, Rusty. You know, Thanks I, for having me. I am glad to have you here. As I was just telling you a few moments ago before we did this, one of the reasons why we started the Weighing Machine, there were lots of reasons. But one of those reasons is one of those mini car trips I had with you yep. behind the windshield, listening to a lot of the stuff you're going through. One of yep. the things you said, you said you like to hear podcasts. You like to hear what we're saying at CLS because it helped you do your job better. Yeah, so. reputation works well. Exactly. So, uh, so I'm glad to have you on here. Thanks. That's really cool. Appreciate and, um, well, first of all, for everybody listening in, tell us a little bit about yourself, both personally and professionally. Okay. Well, I'm Mark Sokup. I've been with uh, CLS over 22 years. Only 22. Uh, only 22 years. <laughs> I'm a newbie. Yeah. And uh, just uh, I enjoy working with financial advisors and finding out about their clients. One thing I really enjoy is meeting their clients, talking about their goals, finding out what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And uh, I get a high when I help the clients uh, figure out what they want to do and they sign up with CLS. So I really enjoy that. And, you know, I have talked to some of the advisors that work with you when you're not around. Okay. Uh oh. And they love you. Oh, good. They do. <laughs> they do. You scared that, me. That's, I know exactly. I had that look too scary. Exactly. Um, so, where are you from originally? I actually I grew up in Omaha. Yeah. I lived in Omaha. Went to Iowa State University. Yeah. And uh, then I yeah then I worked for jewelry storage and got pushed all over the country. Yeah. And that became a financial advisor, and that's how yeah, I found CLS. Yeah. How did that CLS. happen? How did you get in the industry? Uh, you know, I was I was working in the jewelry industry, yeah. and uh, I was looking to move back here. And Gary Lansing was actually the financial advisor for my parents. Wow. And he's, he's the L in CLS. He's the L yep. in CLS. And he suggested that I come uh, work in the financial planning field, and I went to work at IDS, and then uh, and then I got recruited here. Wow, and that's cool. 22 years later, here I am. And so over time, what are the areas that you've covered? Oh, boy. I've had uh, basically Omaha yeah. West. I've had the whole half of the United States. So I have, uh, But I've had, uh, let's say, 20 years in the, in the Northern California area, but I had oh, Omaha and all that for a while. Northern Texas. California, that's nowhere near as fun as Omaha. <laughs> I, would, I would disagree with you today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the I weather. Know, I know. <laughs> All right, so, well, you've been doing this for a long time, and obviously you've been quite successful at it. In your own words, what makes a great wholesaler? Uh, you know, I, I think a wholesaler has to differentiate themselves from other wholesalers. And what I mean by that is that you got to be a great listener, first of all, and you have to have empathy, and the advisor has to know that you have their best interests in mind. One thing I tell the advisors that separates me from everybody else is I roll up my sleeves, and I say, you know, put me in front of your clients. Let me partner with you. Let me help you. I'll put you on the same side of the table with the client. Let me by my, be by myself, and we'll work it. And I'll help you in every, every way I can. I arm them with all kinds of tools, 
And uh, I think to be a successful wholesaler, you have to be there with them and show them that you care and that you're there to help them build the business and keep it ongoing. Right. That's great. So what do you think has made you personally so successful besides those attributes? Have you had important mentors, books, whatever, any influences? Yeah, you know, one of the biggest influences is Zig Ziglar. Uh, I love the guy. He's uh, he's uh, he he said one time, if I can remember this quote, he says, uh, help other people get what they want. And so you get everything you want. Oh, yeah. And I've lived by that. You know, and the other thing I've learned is that what you do today, you want to be in front of them 10 years from now, still having a great relationship. And I approach every client and every financial advisor that way that what I do today, I want to still have that relationship 10 years from now. Oh, that's great. So I guess related to that, I mean, are, are there things you actively do even today to get better and better at what you do? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned one thing. I mean, uh, the road is my friend. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, I utilize podcasts. I listen to uh, videos on tape, um, stuff on tape for sales success. Yeah. And uh, and the thing is, too, I use my advisor as a mentor. You know, when I talked to them, I said, hey, how did I do on a scale of one to 10? And if they say a seven, I say, what does it take to be a 10? And I listen to them. Yeah. And yeah. uh so you can always learn. You know, that windshield time is so important. And I mean, I always tell everybody that the probably the most concentrated learning I do in my job is actually that windshield time I spend with you guys on the yep. road. And I mean, obviously, I talk to a lot of investors and advisors as well, but it's it's in those hour-long, two-hour-long road trips, exactly. just hearing everything you're going through. And when I come back to Omaha, it just helps me in everything that I yeah, do. It gets you great education. You got to use your time wisely. I mean, it's all about empowering advisors, help investors succeed. So exactly. when I get all that feedback, as you're on the front lines, hearing it over and over and over, yep. and a lot of times we're back here in Omaha with our spreadsheets. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, stuff like that. I enjoy that, having so. come out anyway, so that's good. Yeah, I do too. What, uh, so in your own words, what makes a great investment firm? Uh, you know, a good investment firm, I think, is ones that really um, do client focus first. And uh, that really um, understand the financial advisor's goals or needs and really truly understands the client's needs and can deliver innovative services that not only the advisor, but the clients need and and, and enjoy and and would stick with the discipline approach. And I think the commentaries, all the information that we have, I think the main thing we bring to any um, investor is a peace of mind. Peace Mm -hmm. of mind knowing that somebody's watching your account every day and we communicate that on a daily basis. Right on. Okay, well, bringing back more to CLS Investments. You know, here at CLS Investments, risk budgeting is our methodology. It's our philosophy of managing money. Yep. In your own words, what makes it so unique? Well, when I talk to advisors and clients, I think it's very unique. And I think when we mm-hmm. share with them that, you know, the old way of managing money was stock-to-bond ratio. Mm-hmm. And we all know if you move from one equity to another, you ultimately change the overall risk. Right. So I think what's great about this is it gives you the ability to be diversified globally. It gives us the ability to tilt portfolios in certain areas that we see that are in favor. And it gives them the ability to keep the risk constant at all times. And having a risk budget approach gives the clients the ability to know that, you know what, no matter what happens in the market, as markets change, my portfolio is going to change. You're going to do that for me. Give me peace of mind knowing that, that you have me well positioned and optimized at all times. Right. Yeah, well said. Again, I think I've told a few other wholesalers, you guys always say it better than I do. Yeah. <laughs> I learned it from you. <laughs> yeah, right. No, you, I probably wrote it down somewhere and got lucky and you just say it better. All right, so you've, in 22 years of being a wholesaler, you've talked to a lot of advisors. Yes. What do you think makes the great advisors, the great counselors better than the others? What attributes, skills, qualities, what do they have that makes them better? You know, I think the biggest attribute I see with these advisors are the ones that truly, truly care about their clients. Mm -hmm. And I see that when you have down markets and you can sense that they're just having a rough time with their clients. 
Um, but, you know, having a disciplined approach, having empathy with their clients, the ones that truly understand their clients and show the clients they care mm-hmm. and that they have solutions for them and to bring solutions such as CLS, it's very unique that the clients would never hear about anywhere else. Um, really separates the advisor from anybody else. Yeah. You know, that's so true. You can tell the advisors that really care. I'm just one quick story I have, and I have like every one story I have. I know you have like 20, you have a lot but of stories. <laughs> there was like one one time I was at a client event for CLS. It wasn't in your territory, and the advisor was up there, and you could tell he had such a great connection with his clients. But he was saying something I felt was pretty controversial in this. Um, this older woman leaned over next to me and she goes, I totally disagree with everything he's saying, but I love him so much. Wow. And I thought, wow, he must be a really great advisor yeah. taking care of her because she leaned forward and said, I disagree with him. Yeah. You know, the great thing too, is I had an advisor up in Seattle and the relationships he had is every meeting we got invited to their clients' homes. Yeah. I got to know their clients, their family. Oh, wow. uh, and you know, you build those kind of relationships and they, they work with people they know and they understand and they trust. Yeah, that's definitely. So uh, right now, when it comes to financial advisors, what are their biggest issues or concerns in this current environment? On oh, this current environment is when is when is going to drop? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they they you know it's been running so well, and um, you know these client the the advisors that really truly care about their clients, they're looking at their best interest. Say, you know, what do I do if it drops? And thank God I have CLS. Thank God you have some strategies where you're watching it day in and day out. And you know, I think that then they they get emotional just like their clients. And I think the good thing about CLS that delivers for the advisor is that we give the, cl- the, the advisor a peace of mind knowing that somebody's watching it for them day in and day out and takes some of that stress off of their laps. You know, what's really interesting, though, is what you said is, is what my experience is when I'm in the field and what other people have said, too. But isn't it interesting that greed really hasn't appeared yet with this far into a bull market yet? Right. I, I mean, agree. if you think about late 90s or 10 years ago, one of the, the characteristics of those times is that people seem really greedy. Right. I don't feel it myself. I don't feel it the advisors or the clients at this point in time. That means we're only in the beginning of this bull market, right? <laughs> we could, yes. <laughs> that would be nice. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right. So the next question is, what about um, investors? And what do you think is the one thing that most investors need the most help with? Uh, I think the most help is just to stay to identify a disciplined approach that they can sleep with at night. And then have a peace of mind knowing that it's being implemented and it's being managed by an independent company like CLS. Mm-hmm. When I talk to clients out there, uh, not just clients, but even employees in 401k business, for example, when they know that somebody's watching their accounts every day, they will tend to stick their discipline much longer. And um, they will stay with it longer and they will stay with the risk and they won't do things that deter them. When I see clients that manage money themselves, they do get the emotions in the way and they make bad decisions. Right, right on. All right. Um, next question here. Okay, let's say a person's coming to you and they're saying, Mark, I'm thinking about entering the financial industry. What would you tell them? Any words of wisdom? Yeah, I would tell them that, that they have to look at how they work with people. Do they like to have interaction with people? Um, do they have empathy? Um, how do they feel about working with clients and looking at portfolios? Mm-hmm. Can they really truly sit down with a client and talk about their goals and help them? And can they really help them through the tough times? You know, uh, it, the, the fees that these advisors earn really gets earned when there's tough times. And are they able to stick with their discipline and portray that to the clients so the clients don't get derailed? Yeah. yeah. Well said. All right. Two last questions. All right. And these are more about you. Okay. All right. So the first one is, what accomplishments are you the most proud of 
professionally and personally? Uh, professionally, as I mentioned, 22 years in this business, I have so many uh, advisors. I've got advisors that have been with me for 22 years. They're still very active. Yeah. And it's a blessing to have those kind of people. You build long-term relationships. Mm-hmm. And where I really get a, a, a great feeling is knowing that I've met with a lot of these clients personally. And when I go back four or five years and find out how good a shape they are, and they've listened to the advisor and the CLS's um, advice, and they stick that discipline, and they look at us, and, and sometimes they have tears in their eyes and say, thank God I listened to you guys. I would never be where I'm at if it wasn't for you. Yeah. I, get a, I get a great high That's just awesome from having feeling. stuff like that. Yeah. And that happens day in, day out. Yep. And again, I have, again, to your credit, I have heard advisors say that they would never be where they were at if it wasn't for you. Well, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. What about personally? Uh, personally, uh, I've just been growing and trying to have a good balance in life. Yeah. And um, uh, I've, I've met the love of my life and possibly getting engaged. Awesome. Congratulations. And, uh, yeah, thank yeah. you. And, um, you know, in a wholesaling job, as you know, they call it the wholesaler 30, <laughs> which means when you start wholesaling, you can gain 30 pounds quickly. <laughs> so it's been a challenge. So trying yeah. to have a balance with, with life um, and, and church and life with, with uh, friends and family and working and having that good balance. It's always tough to do. It so is. I guess you kind of touched upon it, though. So yeah. outside of work and family, what do you do for fun? Uh, well, you know, I, I just started, I think I told you, I started doing half marathon runnings. That's awesome. Uh, I cannot do a full marathon. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody that does that, you know, my hat's off to them. I can't. 13 miles is enough. So I started that. Um, so doing a lot of running, have a coach. Uh, I'm doing some weightlifting and working on that. Nice. And uh, I, I enjoy golf. I love to yeah. golf. Yeah. Um, just can't seem to find the time I used to find, but I do enjoy that. Finding the balance. That's the key. It's all about balance. Well, Mark, I do really, really appreciate you being right, here. Well, thank I've, you. I really look forward to having you in the studio. So well, hopefully I appreciate I can get you back that. here again. Yeah, I would love to do that. All right. Thanks. All right. You bet. Thank you. John Turbovich, welcome to the CLS Wang Machine. Thank you very much, Rusty. It's this good to see you. This should be fun. We you know we travel a lot together, and you know, in, yes, in your area and stuff. So, I um, I think I know a lot of these answers. Maybe it'll be fun, kind of walking them through with you. So, absolutely. Well, first of all, tell us, um, you know, a little bit about yourself, both personally and professionally. You know, personally, I grew up in Colorado, uh, born and raised in Denver. Uh, Love to get outside and do anything outside, whether it's hiking, skiing just anything to be outside and enjoying myself. Yeah. Uh, professionally, I've uh, been at CLS now since 2003. It's been an interesting ride and interesting to watch this company grow. And what do you cover for CLS? Uh, I cover the southeast for CLS. So that's basically Tennessee and South Carolina south all the way through the Florida. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So uh, how did you get in the industry in the first place? You know, that's a great question. Uh, I've got an actuarial science background. That's actually what my degree is in. And to be truthful, I was very bored with actuarial science. After That's I why you like to ask all those detailed questions. Exactly. Yeah. I, I love to ask detailed questions because uh, math has always been part of it. Uh, it was sort of funny to get in the industry. I didn't know what I was going to do after college, like most college graduates. And Merrill Lynch... Uh, was looking for people at the time, and being a math major, they were uh, part of the test was fractions. If you remember, the, if you remember, you remember the days of yeah. fractions where you actually had to do uh, eighths and sixteenths for share prices instead of decimals. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they made you take a test on whether you are you could, old. <laughs> yeah. on whether you could do fractions. So you went through the Maryland training program. Uh, I started in their 401k okay. side of the division yeah. uh, and started in their 401k industry and to really get started there, they wanted to make sure first you could 
understand what the price of a stock was. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. So you've been doing this for a while, and yes. so in your own words, what makes a great wholesaler? You know, that's a great question, and I think it's relating to people and giving uh, the individual reps what they want, and really and truly allowing that individual rep to find the best product for their client and to understand why we're doing what we're doing in the market itself. Yeah. yeah. In my opinion, it's so important for that individual to understand what's going on and not just, hey, we placed a trade. So to get from so the beginning of your career to where you are now, what are some of the influences on you, whether it's mentors or books? What made you the investment professional you are today? Um, that's a great question. What made me what I am today? Uh, I've always looked at people that have been out there that have uh, been higher up than I have and tried to put myself next to them. Always find, I always try and find somebody in the industry that's doing what I want to do next and try and see how they're doing it, to try and better myself by imitating them. Yeah, yeah. All right, shifting gears a little bit here. Sure. What do you think makes a great investment firm? Doing what they say they do and allowing people to understand why they believe that's the right thing to do at that point in time. Yeah. The reality of it is no investment firm is perfect. If you were always perfect, you'd have one investment because you'd always be in the best performing investment, which yeah. is impossible. And that's impossible because you can break it down to some other time frame. It's just impossible. Exactly. Yeah, indeed. All right. So well, kind of related to that, CLS Investments, you know, our, our methodology, our philosophy, what makes us unique is risk budgeting. Mm-hmm. In your own words, what makes risk budgeting so special for it's about managing risk to clients. Um, I really believe it's a great way to explain to clients what risk management really is. Defining what risk budgeting is is really just defining risk management to individual clients. And I don't think most clients understand what risk management is. Mm-hmm. Clients think, unfortunately, that they can have all the up and none of the down, which is absolutely impossible to do. Yeah, yeah, And so we have to manage that risk and really manage those expectations. Risk budgeting allows us to manage those expectations and manage that risk for the individual client. Yeah. I always love hearing you guys talk about risk budgeting. I mean, I have to write about it and speak about it all the time, and you guys usually say it better than I do. So, All right. So you've talked to thousands of advisors in your career already. I mean, so what makes a really good financial advisor or financial counselor, in your own opinion? What attributes or qualities do they have that kind of sets them apart? Um, a good financial advisor, in my opinion, is one that cares about their clients and puts their clients' needs first. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of talk right now about DOL and putting the clients first. I think a good financial advisor is already doing that. What uh, That actually brings up a more interesting question, which is what makes a good CLS advisor. Yeah, well, that is a good question. Um, And that is one that first and foremost does want to outsource. Secondly, wants to be with a team where they understand the methodology, understand what's going to happen and how it's going to happen, and want to partner with somebody else to do it. You have so many great advisors in your region uh, that uh, obviously have been fun to work with over the years for sure. So in terms of it, talking to advisors today in this current environment, are there particular issues or concerns that are kind of top of mind for a lot of the advisors you work with? Absolutely. I think um, the main concerns out there today is, can this continue? Yeah. Are we near a top? Is our president going to get impeached? Um, are we going to be in nuclear war at some point? 
So you think it's probably more fear than greed at this point? I think it's a combination of both. I think there's still a lot of fear out on the streets. Mm -hmm. um, I'm still being asked every day, when's the market going to top out? I think we're going to go into a correction. I think this is going to happen. I think that's going to happen. But then you start looking at some of the charts and you see greed starting to appear in certain areas. Yeah. And so I don't think we're in irrational exuberance yet, but I also don't think... No, um, oh, I hear what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, all right. So what is, if there is, uh, is there one thing that investors need the most help with in your experience? Their emotion. Emotions. It's 100% emotions, in my opinion. And that gets right down to uh, investors are very good at looking at things, but what they're very bad at doing is actually following a strategy and sticking to that strategy. Yeah. I've seen several strategies work in the market out there. But keeping with the strategy tends to be the most difficult thing that most individual investors cannot do. Discipline. It's always the hardest thing. Yeah. Particularly during the holidays and all the food around too, right? Absolutely. So, discipline's always big. All right. So what is what advice would you give somebody who is considering entering the financial industry, becoming a financial advisor or financial counselor? Go Any for it. It's a Go great for industry. It? All right. It's a great industry. It's a lot of fun, but it's a roller coaster. Yeah. You got to save money when times are good and understand that because it's a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, there's more ups than downs. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I like your little chart about market goes up 70% of the time. And that's just over the one-year time frame. It's even better when you stretch out the time frame. So that's right. It's not a coin flip, as I always say. It's not a coin Well, flip. if it is a coin flip, it's a rigged coin in our favor as investors. All right. So the last two questions are really more about you. Sure. And so the first question is, is what accomplishments are you most proud of? Either Well, actually, I'd like to know both, both professionally and personally. Personally, best accomplishment was having my son. Professionally, this year has been by far the most fun I've had in any year out there in That's sales. That's because you're there. destroying it out there. You're doing so great. I mean, you've had great advisors. You're just connecting. Exactly. It's yeah. just been a lot of fun to watch and to see what has happened with everything out there this year. Yeah. It's just been exciting and a lot of fun to see professionally. Uh, it seems like you are smiling all the time. That's great. Um, all right. So outside of work and family, what else do you for fun? Um, when I'm not working, I'm with my family. And yeah. as a family, we try and get outside, whether it's boating, whether it's hiking. Uh, those are our two main hobbies in South Carolina, going to the beach, just yeah. anything we can do outside. That's really what we enjoy doing. That's great. Well, thanks, Sean, for your time today. And I'm looking Thank forward you, to getting Rusty. back on the road with you down south. I look forward to it. And I'll all hold right. you to that. Okay, great. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> Thank you. CLS is the Weighing Machine is hosted by Rusty Vanneman, Chief Investment Officer at CLS Investments, and me, Robin Murray, freelance writer and editor. If you have questions or feedback about our podcast today, please send us a note at rusty.vanneman at clsinvest.com.